You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm Scott Dworkin. Today on the show, I interview Heather Heyer's mom, Susan Bro. It was a great interview. I learned a lot about uh, the foundation that Susan set up, heatherheyerfoundation.com. Check it out when you get a chance. Well worth a listen. And uh, so here is my interview with Heather Hart's mom, Susan Bro. All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I know it's uh, been obviously an emotional week, so let's talk about the state of this country and the issues first. How does that sound? Sounds good. Okay, great. Uh, how long have you lived in Charlottesville? Well, I don't actually live in Charlottesville because I can't afford to. I live a half hour north of Charlottesville. And I've lived in this spot on and off since 1980. Uh, I, I heard that there are still good people who have been injured and still need help because they showed up to oppose last year's neo-Nazi Unite the Right march in your hometown or, or you know, outside of that in Charlottesville. Um, if not to your foundation, are there any organizations or groups you would encourage our listeners to contribute to to help those people out who are in need of recovering? Uh, they have a Facebook page. It's the Charlottesville Resilience Fund. And as far as I know, that's the only way to donate. I don't know any other way to reach them. I, don't, I, I looked and to see if there was a link because someone else asked me that too. Oh, uh, but they definitely have a Facebook page that you can donate through. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what, what was it that inspired you to start a foundation, you know, after everything that happened? Money. Money was coming in from around the world, and it was we had shut off the GoFundMe um, because I said that's more than enough to pay bills and um, you know share some among family members and uh, even start the foundation. And you know that was going to happen after I had time to think about it. But money was still pouring in through general delivery, through the mayor's office, through the funeral home, general delivery. I mean, it was just coming, and it was you know. $5 here, $20 there, $50, $100, something like that. And I just went to her uh, supervisor, Alfred, and said, I don't have any experience in dealing with money. Can you help me set up some sort of nonprofit so we can do something responsible with this money? Because in my opinion, when people donate like that, that much, it's not because of the family's needs. They're trying to say, hey, I want to be a part of something. Right. So uh, that's why we set it up. I mean, we filed foundation uh, paperwork with the IRS only nine days after she was killed because I had to have somewhere responsible and legal and accountable Absolutely. to deal with that money. And what's, um, what's so the our initial thing was to give scholarships, um, and that's, we've done that. We've, we gave out AIDS Healthcare Foundation did a program with us in the fall, and so they gave out 8000 in scholarships, and we added an additional 1000 and then um, uh, high school scholarships, we gave out three this year. So we're hoping to expand our scholarship program to more high schools and to include at least one graduate, um, you know, someone older going into college, not right out of high school or a grad school. And are these people that are um, activists within their community or what kind of, what kind of determines yeah. whether or not they get a scholarship? Yeah. I I say that I'm looking for Heather's replacements, actually. Um, so in order to even apply, the essay that they send us along with uh, the references have to verify that they have already been activists in a positive, nonviolent manner mm -hmm. uh, in their community. And um, we have specific 
um, education fields outlined, although we're persuaded if people are going into a slight variation of the ones listed, and I don't have memorized off the top of my head, you can find them on the website. They have to also explain how they're going to use that uh, education to continue to be an activist in a positive, nonviolent manner. Right. So we're looking for a very specific set of individuals. Someone asked me before, well, why aren't you helping out marginalized communities and, and uh, people based on need? Well, because we have a slightly different focus. Uh, at some point, we could add some of that in, depending on you know the money that we get. But we're also trying to develop a um, youth empowerment program called Higher Voices. The idea was actually conceived uh, from the kids who had gathered for the AIDS Healthcare Foundation um, event. Um, we, we ended up riding on the Rose Bowl parade float with them in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And um, so the kids and I and Alfred and his kids were hanging out at the hotel and lobby had an informal summit. And the kids said they would like to have a youth program where the kids developed the campaigns and all the ad- adults did was help. They said, because every time adults get involved, they take over. Right. They, they, they grab the, the program and run with it their way. And so we said, well, yeah, I, I see the value in that, but it will still have to be positive, nonviolent campaigns. You know, we could not endorse something otherwise. So I'm working with people now to develop the framework for that. And, um, I thought I was going to be able to develop that over the summer, and the summer turned into a whole different set of agendas. And so, I, I, you know, we had the anniversary event on Sunday. I took yesterday to kind of recover. Mm-hmm. And today I've only worked half a day, although I've done a, another radio interview this morning um, on the West Coast. And um, I'm just now leaving the house, actually, to run errands. <laughs> <laughs> it's a busy, busy time. And, and what did you think about this weekend? Um, I saw a lot of good conversation happen and reflection at a lot of events. Let's hope people continue with that. Some politicians frustrated me talking about how people need to be content with small increments of change. And I'm thinking, how long do people have to wait for that change? What if the shoe were on the other foot and the little tiny bits of change were being doled out to you and you're told, just be patient. You're still marginalized, but we'll eventually get around to helping you out. I'm thinking that really sucks, that whole philosophy of you just need to be patient and it's going to take time. Why can't we make some broader changes a little quicker? Maybe I'm naive with politics, but it just seems like that that promise has been that carrot has been held out too long, and we need to see a little bit more. I don't know, a little bit more commitment to change or something. I'm I'm not sure how we go about this. Um, I'm definitely not a politician, but as a citizen and as an observer, I'm saying that's. That really sucks to tell people you just got to wait. What do you think that drives people to join uh, these hate groups and and things like that? And and how do you think we can break that cycle for these misguided folks? For that, I would refer you to the experts like Christian Piccolini and Life After Hate and some of those organizations that have dealt with it better. I'm, I'm certainly not one to know how to handle that the best. From what I'm understanding... 
is that the people sucked into these movements generally are people who are frustrated, marginalized, have had anger issues in their life, and have been reached out to um, for a sense of belonging, a sense of power, a sense of unity and togetherness that they're getting from this organization, these hate groups that they're not getting in their otherwise life. But, you know, having said that, how many of us suffer in middle school and high school and don't make that choice? Right. So it's, it's a complex problem, and I certainly don't have the answers. Well, you've had a you've had a door. Uh, obviously, a lot of interviews and a lot of questions in the past week, the past year. Um, is there a message that you want to say, like a, a answer to a question that nobody's nobody's asked you yet? Um, an important message that you believe everyone needs to hear. Let's stop focusing on Heather and the fact that a white girl was killed. Let's acknowledge the fact that you didn't pay attention until a white girl was killed. And there have been a lot of black people who have died. There have been a lot of Latino people who have died. Let's get back to dealing with that issue. That's what Heather was there to support. So let's focus on that. You know, if it's okay with you, one of our last questions here, I'd like to ask you a question about your daughter. I know that your activism today is not about her. It's about seeking justice, leaving this country a better place. Um, But is it okay to ask you one question about her? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, here's the question. And again, you know, you can decide whether or not to answer it. But the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You raised Heather into an adult who served her community and her country in real life in a way that has defined her to the world. What do you want other members of the resistance and America and the world to remember about Heather that you remember about her speaking just as her mom? Okay, Um, let me make sure that your listeners understand Heather was not a leader in the sense of being a known activist and being publicly outspoken. Heather's method of reaching people was one-on-one. Heather's method of reaching people was tackling people on Facebook who would put ridiculous stuff. Um, She worked two, sometimes three jobs just to be able to afford to live where she lived. And so I don't want people to have an overblown idea about her role in A1112. It didn't begin with her. It didn't end with her. She was a casualty of the hate coming to town. So from that, let me add that the message I would like people to take away from Heather's death is that everyone has a responsibility to be involved. You don't know what impact your little act of walking with your friends or showing up to hand out water bottles or showing up to canvas door to door for an election or calling out a person using a racial slur in a casual conversation. You don't know what your impact will be, but you have an obligation to participate. Understood. No, thank you for coming on the show. I I really appreciate it, and I appreciate what you're doing, Um, everything with the foundation and and speaking out still. uh, We we truly appreciate it, I know, in our movement, and um, uh, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. I want to thank Susan Bro for taking the time. 
And I want to thank Alfred with her foundation for helping me set this up. Please visit her foundation's website at heatherhirefoundation.com. I want to thank my producer, Grant Stern. You can visit our website at dworkingreport.com. Thanks again for listening. Onward. <laughs>